Good evening. Thank everybody for coming out tonight, or this evening, whatever. Uh, we'll be in First Kings chapter 1. Uh, y'all do pray for me. I've been just a little torn on the message. Uh, there's a lot involved, there's a lot going on. Uh, in this message and throughout this chapter, uh, so I'll kind of be preaching somewhat down through the chapter. I uh, won't read a whole lot of verses, but kind of uh, the, the message kind of encompasses the whole chapter and then gets a little bit into chapter two. Um, so I don't know, maybe there's something for everyone in here in the message. There's not necessarily a main point to drive home. There may be one, but there's several things kind of throughout the message, uh, that maybe each one of us are, you know, individually different people may be able to take something different out of the message. But, uh, spent some time just kind of studying this out. I spent a lot of time in First Kings chapter 17 and 18 and, uh, then just kind of felt led to go back to the beginning of it. And then, of course, it's, it's almost like when you start going backwards, you keep going backwards. I wound up in Second Samuel some and, just kind of, you figure out what's gotten you to this point that you're at now. And, uh, in, in the reading, uh, but then as preacher said, you know, don't always go from one page to the next, uh, just a short period of time. You gotta kind of chase around the timetable and whatnot of how everything kind of laid out. But, uh, y'all just pray for me tonight. I'll read one verse and then pray and, and get on into the message. Uh, again, first Kings, uh, chapter 1 and verse 5. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Lord, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this today. Lord, thank you for this opportunity, God, to preach your word. Thank you for these that have come out tonight. God, we do pray that you'll touch each and every one of them. Lord, I pray uh, for you to move in our hearts tonight, God. I pray that you'll touch and breathe on the message, God. Hide me behind the cross, Father. I pray for your will to be done in the service. We thank you for the good singing so far. Thank you for your touch. God, we thank you for this place, Lord, where we can come and feel your presence. God, we do pray you'll touch our pastor and his family. Is there a way to give them a good time? Lord, we thank you for blessing them as you have. Thank you for blessing this little church. God, we just ask you to meet with us tonight. God, manifest yourself in the message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is kind of where the, the focus is in the message tonight. Uh, it's kind of what really got everything going. Kind of read down through those first few verses in verse 5 is what kind of stopped me. Uh, but so right now where we're at is King David has been ruling uh, and he is now um, well stricken in age. It says in verse 1, uh, his body is is not putting out any heat. And he's so he, he's at that point of very near to death, and um, it, it won't be long, and he'll be passing on. And so then we have Adonijah, one of his sons, in verse 5. He exalts himself, saying, I will be king. He prepared him chariots, horsemen, and 50 men to run before him. And Adonijah is kind of what I want to want to focus on, who I want to focus on in the first part of this message for a while. It said he exalted himself. And I just picture it like this. I think about, you know, some of us men in here, probably when we were a little bit younger, thought we, that we were in good shape. We might have been looking at ourselves in the mirror, you know, kind of flexing our muscles, kind of pumping ourselves up. He exalted himself. 
he, I, I don't know if they had mirrors back in that time, but I think, I don't know, maybe he was looking in the brook, looking in the river or something, looking at his reflection. Maybe he didn't have his shirt on, I don't know. And I dipped his hand down in there and slicked his hair back or whatever they did with their hair in that time. I just think of he kind of, he pumped himself up. He exalted himself. He, he made himself feel good. He, he, uh, he, he thought that he was the best man for the job. He looked around and he thought, you know what, I'm better looking than everyone else. I think I'm better fit for the job than everyone else. I, I will be king. He purposed it in himself that he would be king. He took matters into his own hands because he thought that he was something. He thought that he was someone that deserved to sit on the throne as king. That's just how I picture it. He, he may have done some of those things he may not have. But he put himself on a pedestal. He exalted himself. He said, I'm better, I'm fit for the job, I'll be king. So he purposed to be the king. And, and we'll find in this that I think if, if we look here at chapter six, uh, verse number 6, it said, And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? And I was trying to figure out what was up with that. And I read behind, it may have been Matthew Henry, I may be wrong, so don't get mad at him if he didn't say it. But it got me to thinking, and it's almost as if the father lacked discipline in that son. He did not ask him why he was doing this. There was no uh, disciplinary action taking place on the father's behalf when the son rebelled against him. And uh, we, we look back and Absalom rebelled against him as well. Uh, we'll talk a little about that further in the message. But there was no disciplinary action taken by the father. So it seems that this is the spoiled and selfish child has now grown up. And now he thinks that he is something and he thinks that he deserves the kingdom. He thinks that he deserves to sit on the throne. So he's purposed in himself to take matters into his own hands and he says that he will be king. Next, I want to notice that he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men. So he purposed and then he prepared. You see, he in this adventure to overthrow the kingdom, to rebel against his father, he made some wise choices. He did not act foolishly. He knew that he couldn't do it on his own. He knew that he couldn't do it all with himself. Though he did just pump himself up, got himself ready, exalted himself, and said, I will be king, he had a little bit of sense about him. He said, I can't do this alone. I'm going to prepare some chariots. And and, and by the way, chariots is something that they used uh, at, at one time, I believe during this time, uh, in wars. And essentially that's what's happening when you're trying to overthrow a land, you're starting a war. And so he knew that he was preparing for war here. So he prepared himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. He was not foolish in thinking that he could do it all on his own and all in his own strength. Though again, he had exalted himself, but he wasn't going to act foolish. And, and I'll have a, I'll take note there when, when someone or something is going the wrong way, there is some knowledge behind it. There, there is some wisdom in the matter. You're not, when you're going up against, uh, some of these wicked things and the wickedness going on in this world, 
they've got a little bit more sense sometimes than we give them credit for. They they have a knowledge that, if I can say it like this, that we probably don't have because our minds don't think that way. I've met and known some people in my life that were very smart, but they were very mischievous with their knowledge. And I believe that's what we have going on here. Adonijah knew how to prepare to overthrow the kingdom. And uh, I want to look quickly here. I was supposed to write this out, but I did not. See if I can find it real quick. Y'all don't have to turn there. Psalms chapter 20 and verse number 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. This is what I see here. Adonijah is trusting in these chariots and these horsemen. But further on, we'll see that there were some that trusted in the Lord their God. So again, he purposed, then he prepared. He prepared these chariots, these horsemen, and these men. And then that last part, to run before him. He protected himself. And a lot of times when you've got someone that has an agenda set out to rule over something, or to twist something, or to overthrow in a wicked manner, anything along those lines, they usually protect themselves. They, they will not travel, act, or work alone. Just as you and I in our walk, we do not operate alone. We need brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to lean on God for our strength and for our help and for our guidance. On the other side of this thing, it's the same way. These, these, these wicked spirits that we fight against, they're not operating alone. They have help along the way. These, these, uh, uh, these spirits that we battle with, they use different people around you and I to work, to try to work something in us, to try to overthrow you and I as a child of God. So again, Adonijah was not foolish in acting upon this. He had a little bit of sense. He had a little bit of, uh, of, of knowledge and he followed the example of Absalom. If we look in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1, I believe it is. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before. And this is when Absalom was stealing the love of Israel. So he had a negative influence, a negative example to follow to uh, pursue this action. So he, he followed that negative example and prepared himself and protected himself. He sent everyone else before him. He did not go in the front line. He wanted to sit back and let everyone else do the work while he sat back and claimed the victory. And oftentimes with the wickedness in this world, the things that we see, we, we talk about this all the time, those things that we can see, those things that we're looking at that may be going wrong or that may seem to be uh, wicked, though it may be, it's always deeper than that. There's always something else or someone else behind the scenes, something that we cannot see. If you got these chariots and these horsemen and these men running before Adonijah, you're not going to see him all the way back there. And that's just how it is for you and I when there's there's... Uh, something maybe in our lives, something uh, uh, that just we may seem to be cumbered about by. A lot of times it may not be that particular 
situation that is on our mind, but there's something deeper. It's, it's always beyond what the eye can see. Ephesians six twelve. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Adonijah put himself in a high place. I believe that he was being influenced by some of these, some of these spirits, some of this wickedness. And he took it upon himself to try to overthrow the kingdom. But see, Adonijah's mind was not on these things, but rather it was being influenced by these things. You see, we have the whole book. He didn't have Ephesians 6.12 to go and look at and to realize that he was being influenced by something. That he didn't need these chariots. He didn't need these horsemen. He needed God. He didn't, he, he, and when you're influenced by these things, you very, very rarely are going to think sensible enough to even go, though we have this, to go and look at that and come back to the realization that it may not be, you may not be battling what you think you're battling. It's been said before, a child of God cannot be possessed by a demon, but we can be influenced by him. We'll look at verse 7. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, with Abiathar, the priest, and they following Adonijah helped him. When anyone takes a wrong turn, and this goes for you and I, you take somebody with you. Again, you're not acting alone. You're going to seek help along the way. If you take a wrong turn onto a one-way one way street, you've just put everybody in that path in danger. There's nobody traveling that road that's safe anymore. Once you've taken that wrong turn, just one person takes that wrong turn, then suddenly everybody else in the area is in danger. And that's exactly the way it is. One person can put many in danger. Our sins don't just affect us. They may not just affect those directly around us, but they may, if I believe I've said this in another message, they'll affect generations coming up behind us and we'll never even know about it. <clears throat> so we go on and Nathan comes to Bathsheba in verse 10 with a plan that they would both go to the king one after the other, kind of try to shake him up a little bit about what's going on, about what Adonijah has been up to, what he is doing, that he is he is trying to overthrow the kingdom and calling himself king. And he's got people following him. He has some followers on Twitter. He's got people coming up with him. He's, he's, he's gathering an army. But then look in verse 28. We'll notice that King David was not shaken up. They've come to him, Bathsheba's come before him, and, and if you read down through there, you see he kind of planned it to shake him up. While Bathsheba was there, he came in while she was still telling him what was going on. Nathan, the, uh, Nathan comes in and, and, and says, hey, have you heard what Adonijah's doing? While Bathsheba is explaining it to him, he comes in, kind of trying to shake him up. Then King David, verse 28, answered and said, call me Bathsheba. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. He didn't freak out. He just said, call me Bathsheba. And I'll look back. We'll look at First Chronicles for a minute. And I believe this is why the king was not shaken. This is why he wasn't shaken up. 
uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 22. <clears throat> look at verse 9. We'll look at a few verses in a couple of different chapters here. Uh, chapter 22, verse 9. It says, Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness in Israel in his days. King David had already had a promise from the Lord that Solomon would be the king, and that there would be peace in his day. So I don't think that he was shaken up. I'm going to read two more verses just to kind of drive this home. Uh, chapter 28 and verse 5. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given, me, hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Again, we see that God had already promised King David that Solomon would rule in Israel. Verse 1 of chapter 29, Furthermore, David the king said unto all congregations, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. So we see three times right there that King David had a promise from the Lord that Solomon was going to rule over Israel. He was going to be the king, and there would be peace in his day. I believe that that is why King David was not shaken. He was not stirred up about this. He knew that the Lord had already set Solomon as king and there would be peace in Israel in his day. I think that he was just going to go out in peace knowing that God would take care of it. I think that he, he was just going to let it be and he had peace because God had promised him that Solomon would be king and there would be peace in his day. But someone took action and went to the king and I believe saved the people from a battle with Adonijah. Nathan saw a danger and he went to Bathsheba seeking help. And they went to the king. They went to the king on the people's behalf and I believe saved the people of Israel from a terrible battle with Adonijah, because what would have happened here is Adonijah is exalting himself as king. He's got a big crowd following him, and and they are on his side. And then King David passes away, and then you've got Solomon that comes up and says, "I'm king." Well, Adonijah's already professed himself as king, so nobody's really going to be on Solomon's side. Though, because the Lord had already promised. I have no doubts that Solomon still would have wound up ruling as king, but I believe there would have been a battle that would have ensued in order for this to take place. But because someone was seeking help from the king on the people's behalf, they saved the people from a battle. And I think you and I can do this too. If we'll seek help from the king on one another's behalf, we might could save each other from battles in this life. We're going to have some battles. We're going to face some some uh, struggles, some trials, some tribulations, if you will. But I think if we'll seek help on one another's behalf, some of those things may be stopped a little bit earlier on before it proceeds to, to an extent of truly being a battle. I believe that. <clears throat> it may seem as though sometimes we're overtaken, maybe by wicked authorities, 
Uh, maybe we seem to be outnumbered. Maybe the enemy seems too strong. Maybe the cost seems too high. Maybe we just can't see a victory. We can't see the other side. But if we'll just run to the king, if we don't, we may not even have to get into the battle that we may have our minds set on. You know, sometimes we'll battle just up here. Oftentimes, I know I do. Got so much stuff going on, running through your head that you need to get done or uh, what might happen. And a lot of times that stuff never comes to pass. But I wonder if we'll seek some help from the king. Or if we'll seek help from the king on one another's behalf. What kind of battles can we be saved from along the way? He knew Solomon would be king. But at the concern of his servant, he pulled the trigger on it. Look at verse 30. Even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead, even so will I certainly do this day. Again, I believe King David was just going to go out in peace knowing that God was going to take care of it. But because some of God's people uh, took some help on the, for the people, he went ahead and said, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to allow this to continue. I'm going to pull the trigger on it, and it's going to be done. Solomon is king, and that will be the end of it. We need to have a concern for our country, for our state, for our county, for our town, for our neighbor, for one another. I believe we can really save each other from some battles. And y'all, you know, I feel like y'all know what I mean by that. It's not like I can come and save one of y'all. But we could really uh, save each other from a lot of hardships, a lot of battles that may be ahead. I, I, I believe that if a child of God will call out on him for this child over here that's about to enter into this battle, God will put a wall up and just stop it. I believe that he can do that and he will do that. If he so sees fit, sometimes God will allow some battles in our lives to take place to bring us out the other side stronger. But sometimes we bring those things on ourselves. And I wonder if somebody wasn't praying for us, if it would stop that thing before it gets too deep off into the battle. We need to have a concern for one another. The Lord might just do something if his servants show some concern. So now Solomon's been made king. Adonijah's little party is over. I want us to look at verse 50 and 53 real quick. 50 through 53. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feareth King Solomon, for lo, he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not an hair of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. And Solomon said unto him, Go to thine house. So now we see Adonijah feared. He ran to the altar. And it seems as though he repented. He's run to the altar. He grabbed hold of the horns of the altar and seems to have repented. But we've got to read on. In chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. And he said, and she said, comest thou peaceably? And he said, peaceably. He said, moreover, 
He said, more importantly, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, say on. So she asked if he came peaceably. And he said, yeah. But he said, you know, more importantly, though, I need to say something. In other words, if I can say that, he's not really coming peaceably. He said, moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, say on. And he said, thou knowest that the kingdom was mine. Uh Uh-oh. So now we see that when he ran to the altar, he didn't get his heart right. He was still seeking the kingdom. And he said, thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me, that I should reign. Howbeit the kingdom is turned about and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now he knows that the Lord was the one that set Solomon on the throne. Yet he still has a desire to have it himself. And this is where we find ourselves in trouble. If we've ran to the altar, if we've asked forgiveness out of fear, and then we find ourselves still not right in our heart, still seeking those same things, knowing well and good what the Lord has set in place, we're in a dangerous place. And now I ask one petition of thee, deny me not. And she said unto him, say on. And he said, speak, I pray thee unto Solomon, the king, for he will not say thee nay, that he give me Abishag, the Shunammite, to wife. I believe it was Matthew, Matthew Henry saying that this was him shooting for the crown. Again, he was still trying to win the kingdom. He was still after the crown. His heart had not been made right. And I wonder, you and I, how many times we have ran and grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar and professed something before God and walked away and still found ourselves wicked in heart. Still found our hearts not right with God. I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm guilty. It happens. But this is a dangerous place to be. And we read on and we find out I'll go ahead and read, I think it's verse 24. Now therefore, as the Lord liveth, which hath established me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who hath made me in house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. That was the end of it. He had no more opportunity. He had not another chance. He was put to death. And if you continue to read on, you see those that were named that followed him. They also died. There's some others, if you read it yourself, there's some others that, that, uh, I think, uh, Shimei was executed. Though they were not one that followed him, but I didn't get all, all the way into that. But the name, those that were named that followed him, they were also put to death. They died of some cause. Again, if you make a wrong turn, if you make a wrong choice, You're not going by yourself. You're taking somebody else with you, whether you realize it or not. But, also we do see in this, after all this wickedness, after all the effort that Adonijah put into this thing, God's plan still came out. God's plan still took place. What God had set in place, it, it never budged. It never moved. Through all of this, through Adonijah Swaying these people to come follow him, him trying to overthrow the kingdom, God's plan still took place. And so, in our lives, I believe God's plan 
is still going to take place. We may reroute it for for some time. Who was it? Somebody preached a message. It might have been Brother Dean kept talking about reroute. No, it was maybe it was Josh Adams. Somebody talking about recalculating. Recap? No, it was Timothy Ojo. I finally got it. I got there. I had to go. But uh, yeah, re- recalculating, rerouting. Sometimes we'll we'll go off off course, but I believe in the end, what God has said. If we don't do something to hinder that tremendously, His plan will still be set out. And I, I thank God that through all of every, everything that may come about, everything that may happen, He's still in control. Amen. So if, if we don't take anything from, from this message tonight, one thing is there's a warning in this message about that wickedness and how we may not be able to see it. It'll be kind of behind the scenes more so. It'll shadow itself with many other things in front of it. And we'll lose sight of what's really back there going on. But then the other thing is that there's a victory. That the Lord's plan still proceeds. Close in prayer. Lord, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this service. God, thank You for the message. Lord, I do pray that You touch and speak to Your people's hearts. Lord, I thank You, God, for uh, the help that You've given me in this message, the things that You've shown me. God, I do pray... Uh, that it just may have helped someone, Lord, if there's someone that uh, may may be going astray, Lord, or maybe someone that knows someone may be going astray. God, I just pray uh, that somehow you'd work in their hearts, Lord, the realization uh, of what can happen or the wrong turn, the, the way that wrong turns can lead to. God, I just pray that you'll touch, God, and just help us and remind us, Lord, that you have the victory, Lord, in the end, that you will always reign, God, and that you are in control and that you will have the victory in our lives when we face uh, wickedness about in this world. And Lord, we thank you for that tonight. God, we just ask you to speak to our hearts, Lord, and touch us, God, as we part our ways. Father, again, we thank you. We ask you to touch those that are away, traveling, Lord. Pray you'll keep them safe, bring them uh, home safely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.